Yes, good day, folks. Today we're chatting to Mitch Cleary and Cam Luke, two of the best in the business when it comes to the world of football and basketball here in Australia and around the globe as well, in fact. And uh, before we do that, though, just a big shout out to Maddie Knight uh, and to also Cozzy and the crew from Cotton Media, doing a great job with supporting local business around South Australia and interviewing some really good sports stars and people in the entertainment industry as well. Welcome to Legends with Bevo. Thanks to the Holdy, Coopers, Anytime Fitness Glenel, and Paradise Mazda. And now, here's your host, Bevo. Well, what a pleasure to have today two of the best in the business, uh, Mitch Cleary from AFL.com.au and Cam Luke from the Armchair Experts, as well as, as well as being an NBL commentator and expert with basketball. Great to have you boys on for a chat. How are you going with that COVID-19 and what have you been doing to keep yourselves busy? Jeez, Cam's going to take the uh, expert twice in the same sentence to explain and uh, set himself up. It's pretty rare, Bev. True, but thank you also. I see you got my uh, full-page email that I sent you the other day, Bevan, about how to intro me. So, correctly, well-read and well-researched when it comes to introducing me. But, you know, I'll be honest. I know Mitch has got a fair bit on, but my life hasn't changed. Sitting on the couch, watching predominantly sport, it's turned into horse racing. And to be honest, I've got no mates. So, essentially, isolation, life and quarantine, just... Just suits me to be honest. I feel great. <laughs> I'm an expert in quarantine life. <laughs> and yeah, you've been doing your own podcast as well. So as well, Cam, the Cam Luke podcast. Is that a shout out for you? <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Where you get your your good podcast? And Mitch was actually a guest on uh, the pod a couple of weeks ago. We spent 45 minutes arguing, so it was good. But uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, mate. But. Uh, yeah, most of the time I just spend reading afl.com.e because I, without blowing smoke up his ass, he has done a really good job and they've done a good job of being able to continually churn out some content, Mitch. So I'm assuming that hasn't been overly easy. No, thanks, Cam. When I'm not uh, spending 45 minutes listening to yourself ramble on on your own podcast. There's uh, a bit of other stuff to do. So it's been good to uh, catch up. And, you know, there's, there's still footy going on. We've got a date now, which is, uh, which is great. Cl- uh, clubs are back at training, so it gives us something concrete to write about. And uh, just can't wait for that uh, first bounce in, uh, what, 20 or so days from now. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly it's um, come around. Obviously, we've been waiting for a long period of time since it was um, put on hold. Um, are you guys um, a bit surprised by the season starting now? Because there has been talk, you know, Dennis Committee's come out and said, let's just play exhibition matches. And we've had all these other people coming out and saying different things about whether the season should still go ahead and whether it should be asterisks next to it and stuff. I'll start with you, Mitch. What's your thoughts on it, mate? I'm surprised we're playing in June, to be honest. I thought it was going to be July, August, given uh, how serious this thing was going. Australia's done a great job. And uh, your crew in South Australia, Bev, has, has uh, led that charge. But uh, I just think, I think the, the asterisk conversation is, is null and void now. I think the, the amount of people, you know, Nathan Buckley is as well uh, opinionated as anyone in the competition for him to come out and say that uh, a flag is going to have no asterisks. I'll, I'll take that. So uh, I think Dennis uh, might be a little bit off the mark with that one. What about yourself, Cameron? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was surprised Dennis came out and, and, and said that because it just makes no real sense. Like, uh, and a Brownlow, like everyone's playing the same amount of games when it comes to guys being able to get votes. So I don't know why we wouldn't have a Brownlow or a best on. And, and, and I, I likened this last week uh, in a tweet, and I've got a lot of grief about it, and I wasn't likening a hamstring injury to the situation with coronavirus and, and the illness. But the fact is every single year, teams have injuries, teams have players unavailable, teams have challenges. And we don't have, like, we don't have an asterisk we don't have an asterisk against the West Coast Eagles winning in 2018 when you look at all uh, Collingwood's defensive 
injuries that they had. We don't look at 2018 and say, well, there's an asterisk against West Coast because Richmond had one bad game and didn't play them in a grand final. So there's, there's always challenges and there's always opportunities that pop up in different ways. Now, to be fair, the, and a lot of the grief that I got were from West Coast Eagles fans, and I understand the hub is different. I don't... If, if the hub ends up being an entire season's worth and West Coast and Fremantle spend their time on the Gold Coast and can't play any games in Perth, then there might be a little bit of a different conversation. But I don't believe that they will spend as much time there. I think out of the teams that are in the hub, I don't believe Brisbane, the Gold Coast, or Fremantle can win it. And I meant the same about Port Adelaide or Adelaide. West Coast is a team that I thought would win the flag going in. They're better than the Suns. They're better than the Dockers. The Lions conversation is in Queensland a little bit different maybe. And then we could see, you know, the Eagles play the last six games in Perth. I, I think it will end up helping them. They've had Tim Kelly. I think there's no asterisks because an asterisk can only be put if there's only eight games being played and we have four finals in it and it's a totally different system, which we're not going to have. Yeah, well said. I 100% agree with you for what it's worth as well, boys. But my opinion means nothing compared to your experts. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of the hubs, um, there's been talk over in Adelaide at the moment. There's a lot of talk going on about whether... Um, yeah, at one stage, Port and the Crows were going to go over to the Gold Coast, and now there's talk about maybe they might be able to do the fly-in, fly-outs, and they're talking about a showdown in, in round two, which I think would be great. Um, over there in Melbourne, what are they saying about this hub situation? And, and uh, I guess, um, you know, the, the showdown's become huge around Australia, but and over there in Melbourne as well, how good it would it be to have a Friday night showdown, boys? Oh, finally. I think South Australia's been crying out for a Friday night showdown forever. <laughs> but uh, I, I think, honestly, South Australian government are now playing with the AFL. I tweeted that during the week, talking about your uh, pumping your own tweets up, Cam. But um, for so long, the AFL has basically run the governments and held the, the whip hand at these decisions. But finally, uh, the South Australian government might be getting back a bit of their own medicine, given that it was only a week prior they said they weren't going to give exemptions for training. Now they've given it. Surely all along they would have known that. I think they're just uh, toying with the clubs and it's, uh, it's a big tick for the power in Crows. It means they have uh, two or three weeks less. In, in Queensland, they get to um, stay in their own beds for a bit longer. It's, uh, it's a massive advantage for them. And uh, the way the SA government has uh, sort of allowed this exemption now, I reckon they might only play one or two games in the hub and there'll be, uh, there'll be exemptions for all the Victorian teams flying in and out of Adelaide before we know it. I agree. I think, and I don't want to turn this into a political conversation because I'm far from having any expertise when it comes to politics, but I think the South Australian government, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I just don't think they wanted to be seen to be led by the AFL. Yeah. So I think they thought, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to lay, you know, obviously this is a serious health concern that we've got to obviously have in mind for everyone in the state as, as all governments and, and federal government, of course, overseeing it all do. So I, I think that's where it sits. It does seem like they're playing with them because you're right. They would have had a fair idea. South Australia have done, you know, Australia have done really well. South Australia done particularly well. I did say the, the last person released from hospital uh, just in the last day or two from coronavirus. So that's, you know, to be applauded by all the South Australians and the, and the way you've all been handling it. And the South Australian government would have known, but yet again, they've got to stand, you know, firm and, and be the ones leading the charge. I, if Adelaide and Port Adelaide have to travel at all, all they will do is play the Suns once, and that's already happened with Port Adelaide, so you know, it might make it a little complicated, but they might play the Lions away, the Suns away, and that'll be it. They're not going into a hub. They're not going to be spending a great night. They might, they might live on the Gold Coast or in Queensland for a week, but they're not going to spend four, six, eight weeks in a hub nowadays. The whole thing is, has totally changed. And then it begs the question... 
West Coast and Fremantle, and I know that traveling is traveling, but I know we're a fair way down, but is there any chance that maybe the hub's better off being in South yeah. Australia well, rather yeah. than going across the other side of the country? Now, I don't know what how, how much it costs right now to fly from Perth to the Gold Coast, but I assume it's Perth to Adelaide's a little bit cheaper for, for families and Tinder hookups and matches and all the rest of it. So I don't know how it'll work. But maybe something else to look at if you're the AFL. Just on the Crows, it, it actually might be a benefit for them because they, if, let's say they play the power in round two and they go into the mm-hmm. hub and play all the Queensland teams and all the WA teams. It's going to save the trip over to WA. It's going to save the trip yep. to Queensland later in the year. So they go once, fly once, get it done with, and then they're probably playing home games in Adelaide later in the year and they're probably on the yeah. fine in Melbourne for a few games. So knock all those knock all those interstate trips out in one and uh, then the, it's all smooth sailing for the rest of the season. Watch out for the power. <laughs> Let's not go too far. Let's not go too well, far. The Swamp delivered that stat in, in the leap year since 2000. Every team that's been on top after round one in the leap year has won the flag. Mate. So uh, maybe oh, so Ken Hinkley's uh, like Christmas it, is going to come at once. I like I'll, it, I'll tell you this right now. Port Adelaide and Adelaide will have a nice raft and Fremantle and, and, and the Eagles obviously have a nice raft of Home games probably later in the year, touch wood. It'll set the Eagles up for a nice double chance and probably a real crack at a minor premiership. And for the others, it'll mean they just missed the eight by a game or two. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Hey, the crowd situation, boys, um, obviously we're going to start off with no crowds. Um, we saw that happening in round one. Could you see in the future, like maybe September, October, if everything's going well, could you actually see crowds being there and, and maybe even a, a grand final with crowds as well with the 1.5 metre distance observed? Well, it's perfect for Cam because he hates going to the footy. He'd rather just sit on his couch at home and, and watch the Agreed. games. So uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll hey. expand on that. The only thing I've got the issue with... Well, I'm hang on. Before you go any further, have... if, you, if you had a sharing couch at your house, you'd sit on it the whole time as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You might have to give us a tour of that uh, little abode you've got there later on. Uh, <laughs> um, where are we getting? Uh, I just... I think it'd be great to have 500, 1,000 people all spread out at the G, but it's going to be a logistical nightmare getting them in and out of the ground. How do you, how do you, what does everyone, you're all right, bloke in uh, Bay 5, Row D, it's your turn to get out of the stadium. How, how are we going to get them in and out? It's going to be fine sitting in a stadium, but it's going to be a nightmare when everyone's um, outside and uh, not obeying that social distancing. I've been thinking about this a lot and I've put together something for an NBL situation because the NBL is in a different situation where if they can't have any fans, they cannot play a season. They don't have a, a broadcasting deal that underpins their, their, uh, the league. So there's no without fans, there's no NBL year. So that's something that uh, they're trying to work on. But this is the idea I had. Uh, how many bays at the MCG? Like, if we can have 100 people sitting together... So I think there's 60 bays on the on the lower around 55, 60 bays on the first first deck. So essentially, we can fit. So say we can fit 5,500 people on the lower deck. Again, at the top, we can maybe get 15,000 into the G. Now, I'm not necessarily speaking just in grand final day, but maybe we can fit 15,000 in. And when you're in primary school and it's assembly time. All right, or you're all at the front and they say, hey, you know, Miss Jones, you know, oh, yeah, four red, you leave, right? So you get a ticket that has like a particular sort of code on it. You have to be at the ground at this time. If you are not there ready to go in, you are not uh, allowed to be admitted into the MCG. You're all sitting there. And then at the end of the game, the siren goes, the song sings, everyone's going nuts. The PA says, 1A. Stand and leave. And I know it sounds ridiculous, 
But if you, and I'm, you know, we're, we're footy fans and sports fans here in a situation where if someone said to you, you need to be at the MCG at 1 p.m. And once the game is done, you can't leave until you're given the AOK. And if you don't want to do it, you just get banned. If you try and, and breach social distancing, you're just like, mate, you don't come back. So I know it sounds nuts, but I think there's a way we can get 15,000 people into the G and, and maybe, you know, a little less in the smaller grounds around the country. Don't mind that, Ken. What do you think, Mitch? That's just fan, fan, fantasy. Land cam. Why? What do you think we're all in primary school again? How is that going to work? What happens when you got to go to the toilet? What happens if you want to go buy a pipe all the time? Well, these are things we're going to have to miss. This is the thing. If you are a fan, there may not be any food within the arena. If you go to a toilet, I'm sure that you know there's not going to be a million people rolling to the toilets at the exact same time. And keeping in mind, they are going to be fairly well spread out. So if you if you can tell me that at quarter time. More than 100 people, which is the legal amount to be together at the same time after June 22, are we going to bust to go to the cubicles? Uh, you know, I think that possibly we've got a bigger issue than just football. I think that as fans, you are offered an opportunity, a unique opportunity to be a part. Now, if you want to, if you think it, you don't want to go, you don't want to adhere to the guidelines, that's fine because it is unique, but it's also an opportunity to see some live sport. I will say, it will be. The biggest importance is getting the corporates in. These are the guys that, that basically fund the game. So you look at the grand final, it's only, what, roughly 20,000 club members usually go. So it's important yeah. to get the, 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 the corporates in out of everyone because all these deals that are already signed heading into the season all include grand final tickets and the like. So I think that's going to be huge to try and get some people in. How it happens, though, uh, maybe we need a cherry pick of them in or something. I don't know. <laughs> just, just on that, too, just want to just give a good shout-out to, to the, uh, the corporate partners who have, you know, very welcoming to me at certain times at AFL games in the last few years and let me in. So a uh, big shout out and hope to see you back at the game soon. And I like it. <laughs> I like it. Hey, boys, uh, something that's absolutely ridiculous and one thing I really don't understand. Now, now we've got a full, full AFL game of uh, full contact, right? Tackling, sweat on, on each other, you know, blood, sweat and tears, as they say. But after the game, the players aren't allowed to embrace, put around, arms around each other and sing their club song after winning a classic game by a point. Port knock off the crows in the showdown by a point after the siren or something like that. They can't even, you know, put their arms around each other and embrace. Is that just crazy or am I just going nuts here? What do you guys think? No, I can see both sides of it. The only thing I will say is it's just for the look. Like if you've got yeah. kids watching on telly and all the players are high-fiving and hugging and that sort of thing, those kids are going to want to be doing it with their friends at, um, you know, the next day and, you know, their families and that sort of thing. So, I do hear it that they're all, you know, sweating on each other. There'll be blood going in the middle of the packs and that type of thing. But for the look and the image, I can see why they've gotten to that. Yeah, no, it's just a perception thing. And I look, you're right. Everyone raises it and, and understandably too. But I also think you're right. If we can, if we can continue, and the AFL sport, but in this particular case, AFL, they're such a, a great leaders in social causes, rightly or wrongly. And, and I, I use Anzac Day a lot. Like in the mid-90s here in Melbourne where we are, the Anzac Day March, you know, shine of remembrance, you might get 5,000 people there and Kevin Sheedy and Adelaide at Essendon and, and Collingwood kick-started Anzac Day and all of a sudden you don't get there at 2am, you don't get anywhere near the flame and that's, that's great. It, it, it allows new generations to understand exactly what Anzac Day is because I know I say this a lot and people will think I'm joking, I'm not. Legitimately, there would have been kids coming through that thought Anzac Day was a holiday specifically bought in for a football match. And I think it's the same thing like that. But kids, 
sitting at home. And I know there's athletes out there who don't want to be role models, but they are because they're extremely good at what they do. If they're sitting on the couch at home watching their favourite athlete and all of a sudden they've got their arms around their teammate or their best mate or whatever it might be after a game, that automatically links probably a little bit more than tackling someone on a halfback playing. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I think Mitch and I spoke about this on the pod. It's going to add like the intensity of the team songs, the club songs, after round one were great to see. And it's something we hadn't seen a great deal outside of huge finals games. Hopefully we get to see it a little bit more now. And uh, actually, I don't know if you know this, Bev, but um, we do have a premiership captain within the realms. And I'm talking of Mitch Cleary, who led uh, St. Mary's to under 18 flag back in, what was it, 2013? Richie. Well, 2012. 2012. So the 10-year is coming so, up. We might start so, to go social distancing with that. Well, you lead a club song better than most. But to be able to take that bunch of misfits to a premiership, so you know what it's like to sing the song in full in full voice. Yeah, we did it on the ground, we did it in the room. So maybe uh, we get a few of those this year. Yeah, still do it at the lo- like they still do it at the locals when three or four of the degenerates who have never kicked a football since catch up at their local Lambies, wherever it might be in Geelong. They still do it on the dance floor at two AM, which is almost as weird as still wearing a medallion ten years later. <laughs> hey, uh, the armchair experts team. <laughs> Now, um, those people watching it, you, you recognise this face. Uh, Ken Luke, of course, doing a wonderful job with Coons. Uh, normally, we see him wearing a beanie. I'm sorry for all those people out there that have to be subjected to that. <laughs> but uh, the question is, mate, where's Mitch Cleary? How come he hasn't been, a gig, been given a gig on the armchair experts? So the rules of the armchair experts is that you can't really have, well, to be honest, any journalistic integrity. So that's why Adam Cooney and I fitted so nicely on the couch. <laughs> there, was a, there was a slight discussion about Mitch being a uh, part of the armchair experts in 2020. So uh, hold it. You may see it at some point soon with the new project. But, uh, yeah, the, the coronavirus uh, really slapped the armchair experts around a fair bit. Now, not because Coons and I have a great deal of mates and social distancing is something we traditionally do anyway, but we had a couple of different things lined up. And Mitch was in the phrase between Mitch and Tom Brown and uh, Davey Jacket to be involved in the armchair experts in 2020. So... Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Coons is still flat with me from that day I doorstopped him at the Botanical. I think it was 2014, 15 when uh, the whole Essendon stuff was going in. I ran probably 80 metres up the road to try and get him and he absolutely blanked me then. So <laughs> we've had a rocky relationship for the last five or six years. And then that's some of the issues we do find with the armchair experts is that, and, and, and we're an open forum, so we have a lot of feedback traditionally bad that comes through from fans who are so passionate and it's what makes the show so fun. But yeah, you're right. It's hard to, it's hard to get any respect or any at least conversations with journalists because at some point, they all wrote something bad about Coons as he limped his way to his 250. This is, you've got to keep in mind, this is the guy. He was just top up his super. Yeah. Of course he was. This is the guy who played his last game on a Sunday Arvo at, at was then uh, Eddie Had Stadium against uh, two teams he played for, the Dogs and then, of course, the Dons. He plays his 250th. People don't remember. This was only round 22. There was still one round to go. The worst year in the history of the Essendon Football Club. And what does Coons do? Rather than hang around as a veteran leader to help a team decimated by water suspensions, he gets on the gas for four days, then calls John Warsfold on a Thursday and says, hey, Johnny, uh, am I needed this week? He's like, mate, never call me again. <laughs> so, and then, so journalists called him out of the time. So he missed. He, he's not the only guy, no doubt, to get drunk on a Sunday or a Monday AFL play, but he is, I believe, still the only player to miss the game the following week with a hangover. So journalists 
gave him a bit of a spray about that. And he's a sensitive soul, Adam. So he, he hasn't forgiven all of them at the moment. That's, that's understandable. Your, your doorstops have been classic over the years, Mitch. Have there been situations where you've been, um, you know, confronted with quite scary times or generally been pretty okay? It was actually funny. Some of the some of the neighbours during the whole Essen saga, I became uh, had a love hate relationship with a few of Stephen Tank's neighbours through that period. So that was uh, that was interesting, and I'm, I'm sure that hope they're not watching. They might remember my face. Uh, yeah, there's been a few, some some good times and some bad. But uh, it's funny. You sit in a car all day. You might be sitting in a car for eight, nine, ten hours, and then it all happens in about twenty seconds. So can ever be used to that um, type of experience. So. Uh, it, it all happens pretty quick. You know, there's a bit of a, a bit of rush of blood when it's uh, it's all happening and the camera's rolling, and you only get one chance at it, so you've got to make it good. Are you still talking about door stopping like the Stephen <laughs> Danks of the world, or no? okay? <laughs> well, how did you go with Stephen Dank? I know the neighbours weren't exactly thrilled you were there every single day, but Stephen Dank was he more welcoming? Yeah, and by the end of it, um, he, he sort of realised that that was his lot, and he was going to be done with it every day. So um, I think he came round to it and. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty warm in the end, really, as a, as a young guy in the, just starting out in the media. But uh, he had his chance to, you know, have his say. Heard he had his chance. You can't forget through the whole experience. James Heard was basically holding press conferences on his front lawn through mm. it. You know, you, you think journos are, are sitting there, you know, interrogating these guys. But by the end of it, James Heard was basically holding his media briefings out the front of his house. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes when you think such as a guy chasing someone with a camera half the time uh, a few of these things are actually pre-planned if you could say i'm gonna say this too bev i'm gonna tell a story obviously mitch and i worked together a fair bit and i actually thought about this the other day uh, because oh, i actually man. know this guy now I've, I've i've come across him a little bit and he's now what his current employee he works in the basket employment in the basketball world um it was 2010 and it was a Friday night and we were the only people still in the office. I think we might have been working on a show. And, and Mitch came over to me and said, oh, look, I, uh, I need some advice. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know where this is going to go. He's like, oh. So Eric Hollingsworth, who was the uh, uh, Athletics Australia technical director at the time, and he was a head coach of performance. He had that blue with Sally Pearson heading towards a Commonwealth Games 2010. Uh, no, sorry, it's 2014 Commonwealth Games. 2014, yeah. And yep. he went back. Well, he'd been resigned, but he was on his way back. And Mitch had got a call Athletics, so he's starting to dominate the AFL world, but athletics probably wasn't his strong suit. So we had to go to the airport. So he's there shaving on this uh, $6 electric razor that he'd picked up from Kmart a couple of hours earlier. And then he was on athletics, sort of know a little bit about. But I'll never forget it. So he ducked out to the Melbourne airport, and Eric is a very intense unit. Even if you know him to this day, and he's a great guy, great operator, what he does. He worked at Melbourne United when I came across him. But he refused to talk to Mitch. But he's, he's quite a brisk walker. And it was at that time, I remember watching it on the news and then he's <laughs> like, oh, he wouldn't talk. He's always out of breath. And from that time, that's when Mitch realised you need to have a bit of fitness about you to be able to have these type of doorstop experiences. You, it's not just about, you know, putting on some weight and sitting in cars. It's also doing some cardio every now and then because I wouldn't say it nearly killed him, but it came close when Eric Hollingsworth strode out of Melbourne Airport and Mitch, 150 metres in, gave up the ghost. That was, I still remember it. With the only crew there, it was about 1am at the time and it was a massive story. Like, the disgraced Olympic coach and the fallout with Sally Pearson, who was our biggest star at the time. He actually ducked out the back of a side entrance, so not the, the typical. And 
I was sort of hedging my bets, thinking well, if I was him, what would I be doing? So he, I knew he was going to be coming out some sort of side door. And 150 metres is not even a joke. We followed him from the terminal at Melbourne Airport all the way to the other side of the car park where he had a car waiting for him. And I reckon I would have fired off 12, 13 questions and he didn't bait, take the bait once. But it's, uh, I still remember seeing him on the Today Show the next morning and, um, yeah, got a bit of, got a bit of uh, crap about that for a while. I will say Eric once said to me that he looked at him, at Mitch, and thought, if he gets 200 metres in, I'll answer all his questions. <laughs> he was fairly confident. So, uh, in the end... Yeah, he just outstayed him like a good racehorse over two miles. Just outstayed him in the last little bit. Great story, Cam. I love it, mate. Um, hey, boys, we'll just finish with uh, the talk of the night grand final. Obviously, the last few years has been so much speculation about whether we're going to have a twilight grand final, whether we're going to have a, you know, a, no- a night grand final after, say, 7pm. And it looks like this year it's going to actually happen finally. Um, Mitch, firstly, I'll take your thoughts on it, mate, the night grand final. What do you think about it? Yeah, I love the afternoon, but I, I'm, I'm all for it this year. I think to try and get some of that New South Wales, Queensland audience in, I'm just thinking myself, putting myself in the opposite shoes as an AFL fan watching the NRL grand, grand final. I wouldn't watch it if it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but I do watch it when it's at uh, 6, 7 p.m. or whenever it starts. So I can see that for, for a guy in, in, in Queensland or New South Wales in my shoes who might be a diehard NRL fan, I think it's more likely to be able to be seen by that sort of audience at that time. And I think that's really important to, to get some new fans to the game. And I probably watch four or five NRL games in a year. Two or three might be state of origin. One or two might be a final. And uh, if we can have the same cut through in the markets that are so important in Sydney and Queen, uh, in Brisbane uh, and, and, and the surrounding areas, I think it's, uh, it's a major tick. That's a 100%. because too often when we have this argument, we have it amongst ourselves Mm. with the football fans who are going to be watching the game anyway. I know when I've I've broached this on on Talkback Radio or on social media, the actual pushback is I get, oh, hang on, that's going to ruin my day. I'll get out of bed, have my first beer at nine, and it sets up my day. I I might not be awake at 6 p.m. It's like, well, we've got bigger issues if you can't wait to have a beer just a couple of extra hours or see a night grand final. But you're right, we, we are all the same people who argue it are going to be either at the game or watching the game. Now, I don't care what time the game is. I'm going to be watching it. But that's a very good point. There'll be people who, for whatever reason, in Sydney or Queensland or, you know, Northern Territory or West Australia is probably a little bit different than mm. AFL states. But that's the way. And I've argued this when it comes to entertainment, pre, post, halftime, all the rest of it. People's like, oh, yeah, we need Jimmy Barnes. It's like, no, we don't. We need Justin Bieber. We need someone. We're not, we shouldn't be putting post entertainment for people within the MCG. If we had have had Justin Bieber five years ago, at the, I know it sounds ridiculous, and given him $3 million, do you know how many 14-year-old girls would have tuned in? <laughs> we would have had another 5 million people watching the, the, the pre-match, and then it would have been on the TV. They would have counted. Like, it would be ridiculously huge. And I, I know that, you know, People within, you know, I'm not a Justin Bieber fan as such, but, you know, like people within the MCG don't care about what's happening when it comes to the entertainment on the ground. So we've got to think outside the square. There'll be a night grand final this year, I think. Too many, and you'll know this more than I would, Mitch, too many influential people are telling us it's a night grand final and Eddie McGuire's mainly the main guy right now pushing it. And if Eddie's pushing it so hard on his media platforms, it suggests that it's going to come. And the other thing is... Um less games this year, so much is owed to the broadcasters. And if the broadcasters are pushing for it, then if I'm 
the AFL, I'm doing that. I'm handballing the decision as much to them because um, they need to make up the, the lost revenue for the, the lack of games and the reduced you know, quality of atmosphere and the like. So uh, the broadcasters are pushing for it, then I'd give it a go. But I don't think you should lock it in permanent. I still love the afternoon and, and maybe it's just a, it's a one-off and let's see how it goes. So yeah. That's a good point, Mitch. This is something that never gets raised. Just because we go to a night grand final doesn't mean it's night grand final for the rest of eternity. Like, mm. who's to say that we don't just like, hey, you know what? We're going to do a night grand final this year. You know what's going to happen next week, the next year? We're going back to two. Like, mm. I don't know why it has to be locked in. You can work uh, as, a, as a flexible situation. That may even change within non-Victorian teams. Like, a night grand final might actually, you know, it would help the West Coast Eagles if they play a Saturday Arvo game at Optus. Now, I'm not a big believer when it comes to a six-day break being better than a six-and-a-half-day break or whatever, but there could be ways to look at it there. And I, I just think that going forward, there's an opportunity to be able to be flexible with the, the time of the game. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I didn't want to say but I've been in a couple of Super Bowls. Uh, one was oh. at twilight. <laughs> we almost got there without the mention. <laughs> one was at twilight. And then it, it, it goes so twilight into night time and it was cool. And the other one was full daytime and that was just as cool. I don't think anyone's going to not watch the game if they're already going to watch it depending on the time. And if someone says, well, I'm not going to watch a night grand final, they're either a liar or an idiot. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it, boys. Um, yeah, keep it open, keep it flexible. But uh, definitely mm-hmm. a night one this year, it looks like it's going to be. So, hey, uh, Mitch Perry and Cam Luke, thanks so much for joining us on Legends of Ever. I know you guys have got much more important things to do today than listen to me. So um, thanks for giving me your time. And uh, it's been an absolute blast and a laugh and a half. Keep up the great work with, uh, with both of what you're doing and we'll speak again soon. Thanks, mate. Been a hot lot of my week, mate. That's not even a joke. Thanks, my man. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> Cheers.